0: The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Welcome to Intuitive Connections, where spirituality and psychology meet to help you be your best and brightest self. I'm your host, Victoria Shaw, and in each episode, I'll help you to awaken your own inner wisdom, step into your power, heal your deepest hurts, and live a more divinely inspired life you're here to let your inner light shine. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hello and welcome to Intuitive Connection. Today, we have another amazing guest. I think they're all amazing guests and I hope you do too, but this one is truly, truly, truly special. Today, we have with us Lisa Peterson, the mindful millionaire. And Lisa is an entrepreneur author, podcaster, coach, and self-made millionaire who inspires people around the world to create a life of prosperity. And she's also the author of the book, Mindful Millionaire, which is amazing. And so I am so excited to have you here. Lisa, welcome.
1: I am so excited for our conversation. Thank you so much for having me.
0: So Lisa, you know that the podcast is all about intuition. So I want to get right into it and hear a little bit about what that word means to you and how you experience your inner wisdom. Intuition,
1: what a journey. I was just sharing with someone about the fact for a long time, I thought that that inner critic inside was my <laughs> intuition. <Yeah. laughs>
0: That's not so good. <laughs> yeah, I think many people make that error at first.
1: Yeah. So it is then maybe why I was so motivated to figure out if there was something else and tuning in to what else there could be. And so I equate now where I stand the intuition as this connection to my true self. And so the conversation that we're having with ourselves, you know, like all the time, thankfully I've been able to discern when it's that negative voice and it's telling me things I really don't need to be dwelling on compared to the true self, which is like just filled with unconditional love and support and kind of like a cheerleader squad. And also being able to remind me about the fact that when there is pain and when there is difficulty, that I don't have to run away from it. I can stay in the reverberation of whatever's coming at me, and I can face it and meet it too without hiding and retreating, which is what I think I did for a great part of my
0: life. Yeah, I think that's beautifully, beautifully put. And in your life and in your work, you are, a, are you a money coach specifically? That's what I've been
1: focusing on. And it's kind of morphing and shifting as we go, but it's about the intersection for me, of having a career in finance for 25 years, certified financial planner, and then having this 21-year spiritual journey And how could I bring these two things together so that we could see new opportunities and new insights between the intersection of those two things? Like that's what I do. So if you call it Money Coach, awesome, but I think we could come up with other names too.
0: I got it, no, (laughs) perfect. And I think that's so timely now, because I think that we are in a time of great transformation. And I think if we're in a time too where a lot of those structures like money, like finance, like business are ripe for change. And so someone like you coming around right now with the work that you're doing and the book that we are just about to talk about is so important and so powerful because I really do feel like a lot of the structures and beliefs that we have around money are really ready to change and bring us to like a much healthier relationship with each other, with commerce, with abundance. So yay. Thank you for doing what you
1: do. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Who knew that the timing was going to be so good? I've been working on the book for pretty much six years straight. And the fact that it's coming out right now, I think is a true testimony to what you're saying, that these things inside of us, going back to the true self, when something wants to come out of us, like get out of the way and let it come through because it knows so much more than we do. Like. I could never have imagined. I will give you a little funny story. In January, I started waking up or going to bed with like anxiety attacks, which is not something I've been living for a long time. And it was because I actually felt like the book and the consciousness that is out there, I... Decided that it wasn't a good fit, and I started thinking that the book needed to wait, and that I needed to go back to the publisher and say, "I was just kidding. Let me give you the money back. Like, I I don't think that the world is ready for this book." And then a month later, right, COVID begins, and I remember I got chills right now even explaining it. It was like, "Wait a minute, you don't have to worry. We've got this. Like, you don't have to understand." But there is an awakening ready? And the book will meet people where they're at at the right time. And I just let go of all of that.
0: Yeah. And I think you have to let go. I mean, that's, that's how it works. But I can imagine birthing, or not birthing, but yeah, hanging on to that baby for six <laughs> years, there's going to be a little bit of anxiety about you know when she comes out. So Yes, totally. That's amazing. All right. So tell us a little bit about the book and how it came to be. So there's the story
1: inside where the more I kind of wake up to my true self, the more she wants to explain these things to other people, which is why I think I'm coaching and that sort of stuff. But also funny story is three years ago at the time I was being interviewed a lot, I had started my business, so this is about three years into my business. I'm on you know podcasts, I'm blogging for The Huffington Post. There was activity happening, and one day a woman reached out to me and a New York book agent, literary agent, she says, "I'm reading you know what you're writing in your blog, and she goes, "I don't normally reach out to people, but there's something here that's different, and honestly, I mean. If she hadn't done that, I don't think I would have had the confidence to really take it on and really own the process like I have. And so I feel like, again, our true self connects to other people's true selves and it's all one at the end of the day. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> and she literally nurtured me and helped me and saw where my weaknesses were as a writer. And also the fact that there was a message here that I was struggling seeing on my own. And so the more she encouraged me, the more the things I found, writing coaches, I found people that allowed me to channel and learn how to channel you know, through writing, which is like a mind-blowing thing. And what ended up happening is there was a back and forth between the yin and the yang. The money and the experiences and the stuff you mentioned about like, this industry and and what i saw in the financial business was it destroyed me parts of me it was just not oriented to humanity like that's the best way i can say it and then i was looking at all this beautiful inner journey discovering meditation and self-realization and eventually when the book really started to take on more speed I learned that I needed to dance back and forth between these two worlds to create a book that really hadn't been written before. And I was the custodian of this experience. So what is a Mindful Millionaire? So we'll say she, but it's for (laughs) men and women, right? (laughs) So she is someone who is living this practice of being a spiritual being in a human experience. She is wanting to live life fully and freely. And she also realizes that being broke is not a form of self-care, right? That it's important to understand money. It's important to understand your relationship with money. And that when we come to terms with that, we gain greater Spiritual awareness because we're no longer like running from aspects of life. We're able to just meet things where they greet us, say, Okay, this is a teaching, too. You know, just like my spiritual teachings, this is like a human teaching. And I am going to surrender, I'm going to become more wise, I'm going to let it be. Money is going to be a teacher ultimately the message is, is that money is really just a tool. It's an energetic tool. It's nothing more than that. It is not a evaluator of your self-value and self-worth. And so, you know, that's the mindful millionaire. She's living here. She's excited to wake up and, you know, jump out of bed in the morning because she knows that she's got great financial wisdom and she's got great spiritual intuitive wisdom.
0: I love that. And I think a lot of people think that there's a lot of conditioning around money where some people think, "Oh my gosh, you know, it's unspiritual to have money." And then you have other people that like you said think money, you know, even in the spiritual community, right? If I can't manifest what I want, if I can't manifest the goods and services and the millions and something's wrong with me. And right both of those things are wrong. I mean, they're not true at all. It's just not a tool. At all. Mm -hmm. like everything else in the world. I love how you said, it's just, it's a tool for learning and growth.
1: Yeah. It's so much better that way. Cause I think a lot, you know, we dabble in the internet space, right? And there's a lot of this fascination fixation of like bigger, better, more followers, like It's not that those things are wrong, but when we're doing it from a place of lack, when we're creating things in the world from a place of lack and scarcity, unfortunately, whether we like it or not, we arrive at that destination. If we get there, you know, we might not even get where we're thinking, but we get there and it's hollow. And that was my journey, is I made money my God early in life. And I did everything in my power to have a lot of money. And I woke up one day and unfortunately, like it was a family tragedy that really woke me up. And I was like, oh my gosh, I actually don't even understand this thing called life. Money isn't the point of this, but I don't even know what else to do. I've focused on this so much. And so I just encourage people to realize that there is this middle path
0: between those extremes, right? And I think too, I mean, some people come from scarcity and experience scarcity and some people come from that place of scarcity and they still manage to accumulate stuff but they don't experience abundance yeah right and can you tell us a little bit about the difference between abundance and money because it's different right i mean do you yeah yeah
1: Yeah, yeah. I use the word prosperity a lot because one of the things that happened when I was in this journey of just learning and teaching is I think abundance is used so often and I want to awaken, like, okay, well, let's learn something new. (laughs) So I use prosperity and it is very feeling based. So all the intuition, all the intuitive, you know, feelers out there are gonna understand this because we are masters of this. Like we are so close to mastering prosperity. But the nuances is what I think we get into when we start kind of diving into what I've written in the book is prosperity is a feeling. We center into the feelings in our body. So this is how I use the chakras is the chakras are really great to Help us understand, even if somebody's not familiar with them, we can just say that they're energetic centers in the body that help us better understand our own intuition. But what I found is that we have this opportunity to be more in touch with our feelings and different than emotions. So, right. Emotions are what most of us are very familiar with. But this deep feeling sense, which I think intersects with your work, is where the prosperity is found beyond the emotions. As we get into the feeling sense, then we start noticing. and, And I've given it kind of like you could think of them as affirmations or beliefs, but I think it shows up in the ways that we think about ourselves. Like, I don't feel safe, you know, so therefore I need to hoard money. I don't feel worthy. So therefore I don't feel like I can hold on to money or maybe I'm not worthy of money. I don't feel powerful. So I don't manage my money very well, or I don't feel like I can. I don't feel loved and appreciated. So therefore I don't get paid what I'm really putting out there in the world. You see where this is going? Like there's the, each of the chakras has a different way of feeling. When we tune into the feeling, we see there's actually a money relationship here of how the money is showing up or not in our lives. And so I start with the feeling and then I move into what are the practical ways that this applies to
0: our money. It Makes a lot of sense. And I think a lot of times too, people think they confuse feeling and emotion, but the way I understand it is emotion is sort of those thought form that we stick on our feelings, right? So there are the stories we tell ourselves about the raw feels, but the feels, what's underneath there, that's your wisdom. That's your gold. So I love how you help people get in touch with that because it's so important. Yay. (laughs) And so how do you help people, A, figure out where their blocks are, where they're, you know, what's getting in the way, and then the next step is obviously what to do about it.
1: Yeah, so I created a quiz about three years ago, and I've had about 35,000 people take the quiz. And, you know, it's to the best of my ability, intuitively created, which is really fun, right? But the feedback I get is like, huh, wow, because the idea of the quiz was I use what's happening with money, you answer questions. And then that directs you into one of those chakra points that opens up a feeling. And then as you dive into the feeling and the story and the patterns that are coming up, that's how I show people how they might change their experiences with money and also with the things that they're thinking about themselves. So I help them change their beliefs and their patterns And then ultimately, it's like you start with the money, you go on the inner journey, and then you come back out with the money,
0: and it's a different experience. Does that make sense? It does totally make sense. And I'm thinking too, like everything else in life, you start with the money, but as you're doing this work, it's probably opening up all sorts of doors for you that have absolutely nothing to do with your finances at all, which is a good thing. I think money is something that really gets people's attention. It's such a big thing in our society and so many people have conditioning around it and so many people have beliefs around it and so many people have fears around it. And I think it's just one of those things that it just really gets a lot of people's attention. A lot of people struggle and it just can be the gateway for so many people to such deep healing and growth. So again, I love that you're holding that door open for people.
1: I had someone who recently read the book came back to me and- She's a healer, and I was fascinated. And she said, "Oh my gosh, Lisa, I read the book once, and I thought about money, and then I went back and I read the book again, but I supplanted the word food." And she's like, "It works, like it's the same model, you know." Now you have your next book. I know. I wish. I mean, so it's funny. That's a great point because. I have always I've been given great genes and I haven't struggled with my health like other people or even with like food as much. I had it when I was, you know, in those those late teens, early twenties. But money has been the theme in my life where My parents had none of it. They were terrible in managing it. I became obsessed about it. I was like, I'm not going to repeat their behaviors. And so it caused me to break that pattern and then go out and make it too important, really, is what I would say. But money and the energy and the relationship with it is like the thing that I've been very focused on. I would also say I'm even on a second level tier, relationships would be the next one where challenges and relationships. Mm -hmm. And we we tend to teach on the things that we've personally struggled with the most, right? So I'd go number one, money, number two, relationships, number three, food and
0: health kind of things. (laughs) So the next book is on relationships. Got it. But I bet you the model works for that too. I think that's so true though. I think a lot of people, like money has not been a focus for me. It's just, you know, I think we all have kind of a soul's plan and you have the things that you come in and you're like, okay, these are going to be the areas where I want to be really comfortable and I want my cushions and these are the areas where I want to work. And I think it's different for everybody, but I also think whatever your gateway is, whatever you're struggling with, whether it's money, probably if you're drawn to this episode, that's a, you know, a sticking point for you. It'll all get you to the same place in the end. Yeah, so true. Yeah. I love it. All right. So tell us more. You work with people one-on-one. You have classes. What other kinds of things do you offer in addition to the book, which I know everyone is going to run out and buy? So I have
1: been doing a lot of one-to-one work, and I think that that is why the practices that are taught inside are so applicable, and there's a lot of stories. A lot of my clients were willing to give me their stories to use in the book. And that became a whole journey in and of itself because you really have to know someone to be able to write their story, right? But what I also have been noticing is that this work, because there's so much silence around money and money conversations, that it is very conducive to the group environment when we are willing to come and hang out with other people and have these conversations and see that other people like it's fascinating people will witness in my groups and this is kind of where most of my business has been focused is we come together virtually people are all over the world you know there might be 30, 50, 75 people in a virtual group and you start to hear other people telling their money stories in a public way and you can see that they're trapped in a story that isn't serving them, but you can't see your own story. It's fascinating, right? But then somebody else hears your story and they're like, I see what's going on. Like you don't have to live that way anymore. You're free. So we get into the habit by working together of noticing how we're holding on to something That are not serving us that cause us to kind of feel like we're in a prison, and being able to witness other people's, all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, am I doing the same thing that that person is doing? So, yeah.
0: It's so true. I even know in my very own work, I always think as a healer, you know, you attract the people that are working on what you're working on. Sometimes you're a little ahead, sometimes you're not. It's not a one to one, but I always look at my clients as my mirrors. And, you know, if I get like, you know, three or four clients that are all going through the same thing, I always look inside and go, hmm, you know, I'm going to fold that page over and think about what might be going on with me that I haven't been paying attention to. So I think that's great that the group really helps because sometimes it is easier to see in someone else what it is to see in you. It really is. And sometimes you give that advice to someone else that you most need to hear, right? And then you go, oh, now that I heard that come out of my mouth, I think I might, you know, use that too. Oh
1: my gosh, and I love that you, I mean, as a professional that you share that part because I also think that this humility of the fact that we don't have all the answers, that we are still working these things out is also so healing for other people to hear.
0: Yeah, I think so. You know, early on in my training as a counselor and I do different things, but I studied some work about what are the common themes that make therapy helpful? Because there's lots of different kinds of therapy, right? And so people did research to know what are the commonalities that, because we know it works. There's tons of evidence that therapy works. There's not a lot of evidence that one kind works better than the other. There's some studies that some things are better for certain things, but for the most part, we know it works, but we don't know why. And so they looked at the common factors. And one of the things that was so interesting was you know, what therapists thought was helpful was not always what the clients thought was helpful. So I love that, right? Because we have all our theories and all our belief systems, and you know, clients might be having a very different experience when they're sitting across from you. But the other thing that a lot of clients or patients, whatever you call them, would say was that when the therapist disclosed, and again, no one wants to go to a healer or helper that just talks about themselves because that's that's not very helpful at all. But when therapists disclose carefully chosen things about their lives, that was when, you know, people say, oh, they're human. I'm human. We're on a shared journey. It's okay. Wow. And so I think it's so important. I thought back to my own experiences with therapy and I was like, oh yeah, I remember. <laughs> Look, those are the things that stood out for me too. So I've taken that to heart. I think it's important to be authentic in all of our relationships and all of our teachings. And then when we go to the more spiritual teaching piece, like this has come up before on the podcast, but personally, I would not trust a spiritual teacher that said they have all the answers. If they're telling you they have all the answers, and especially if they're telling you they have all your answers, you know, there's a problem. There's just a problem. We're all on this journey together. If you're in a body, you still got stuff you're working on.
1: Oh man, yes. I love that you share that. The other piece that I've spent a lot of time thinking about and curious in your practice is you know, you have confidentiality. So, like, it's not easy to be sharing other people's stories, but stories are like the most transformational thing, period. So, you're sharing a story, people come into that experience, and I can see how the transformation is profound for people.
0: I think that's such a good point. And I do share each other's stories. I just do it in a, you know, you just change a few details here and there because it is really important and people do respond to that. And again, like you said, we see ourselves in others and then you go, oh, like that, (laughs) let me pay attention to that. And sometimes too, I don't know if you find this in your groups, but sometimes, especially around self-love, I will find people that, you know, say the most amazing, caring things to other people But they won't treat their self with that same kindness. And so again, those group settings are times, you know, you can say like, well, you know what you just said to Alice over there? Could you try that on for yourself? Do you deserve that too? And that can be transformational.
1: Oh my gosh. I bet you get a lot of tears when you ask that kind of question
0: because people are like, wait a minute. Right?
1: I mean, just like I started out saying, like, this has been the big transformation for me of just noticing- how I was talking to myself, how I was treating myself. I was horrible.
0: Right. And by all outward signs, you were successful.
1: Oh my gosh. Self made millionaire. Right. Like the like super big responsible job inside of a, one of the largest banks in the country. You know, like <laughs> it just cracks me up that I was so good at hiding all of it from the world. Even my husband didn't know.
0: And I think sometimes, too, when we look at other people, right, society tells us, this is what's going to make you happy. This is what you have to do to be successful, and then you'll be fine. And so many of us are starting to get the memo that, you know, there's a whole wealth of stuff inside. You're already fine. And, you know, as you become even more fine, your life will match your inner magnificence more and more. You don't have to push. You don't have to strive. You don't have to chase it. It's there all the time. Within you, and the more you discover it, the more the world will go, Hey, see, (laughs) look how beautiful you are. So I, I love it. And I think a lot of people will hear in your story, you know, people that have been striving and thinking, But I'm not happy, or people that look over their shoulders and think, Why does everyone else seem to have so much success? And then you realize, Well, it might look a certain way on the outside, but you know, we're all struggling in our own special way. And you know, the stuff that we've been fed at birth that's gonna make us happy is oftentimes not what our soul craves.
1: It's really true. It's true. It's so interesting. I'll share with you. I have never been to a therapist. I've used spiritual teachings to go through this transformation. I don't know, you know, why. I just I feel like maybe in past lives or something, I was just drawn to this spiritual journey. But what's so interesting is I do end up now working with a lot of therapists around this money stuff because I don't think it has been a huge focus. It hasn't been a focus maybe in the training that you received. It's a different pathway, different approach, but there are, I'm sure, lots and lots of overlaps. I just haven't studied it. I just think it's really fascinating and I I will say I also carried a lot of baggage for a while thinking well who am I to be able to help people in this way you know like you don't have that kind of training like how can you give yourself permission and when therapists started showing up I was like are you okay with this like cuz <laughs> I so I just need to check cuz and I I get permission a lot because I'm like I know that I'm confident in what I do but I have to admit I'm kind of needing some approval before we go forward <laughs> oh, but it, i mean it 's interesting because you 've probably seen this you 've got the training, but you also dabble in different spiritual right. modalities and maybe I mean, do you mind sharing a little bit about how you 've kind of put
0: it into yeah. your awareness? So for me, the intuition came first, so I had my own, and you know this has been covered <laughs> elsewhere, but I had my own intuitive awakening. Around parenting that was sort of the pressure point for me where I was not showing up as a parent the way I really wanted to and I also kept searching for this deeper sense of meaning like I was trained as a psychologist. I was a research psychologist I had written books. I had done all the stuff now. I found myself as a parent wanting to go back to work feeling like something was missing not knowing what to do and struggling to be the best mom I could be and all of those things came together And most of my work was through spiritual teachers, because just the people that, you know, spirit or guides or however you want, or the universe put on my path were people doing kind of what I do now. So those were the first little signs of what I'd be doing. And people were also telling me again and again that I was intuitive and I should develop my intuition. And then I worked with an astrologer who basically, in a reading, told me all of my wildest dreams about myself since I was a child. She told me... That's you. That's your chart. And, you know, it's just like, oh my God. And so I said, well, I guess I got to go be that. And so I've been on that journey ever since. And so for me, the counseling piece was secondary because I was already a psychologist. I already had that background. And at the time, and I don't necessarily think I have this belief system anymore, although I'm super glad I made the choices I made, but at the time, a lot of people I work with, I felt like we're doing therapy and weren't therapists. And in my little left brain mind, in my little psychology training mind, I thought, you know, I, I got to have a degree. I got to have something. But I also think the deeper reason why I did what I did, which really worked and served for me, was this: the tools and skills, the listening skills, the boundary skills. Those were things I really needed. And I think there's lots of different ways to get those. I've had people in Reiki training get some of that. So. You know, there's many different ways to put that puzzle together, but for me, with my background, this was the way to go, and I'm so grateful. And I did something else that I think was a really smart choice retrospectively, but a hard choice for me at the time, because I had a PhD and I had a PhD from a really prestigious school that I worked really hard for. And when you have a PhD in research psychology, you can do what's called a clinical recertification. So you go back. And you can become a clinical psychologist, which is kind of like the most prestigious kind of therapist to be. And, you know, I had the opportunity to do that, but it wasn't practical with two kids at home. And one of my advisors, former advisors from where I got my PhD at Princeton was at Yale. And God bless her. I went to talk to her and she said, you don't want to spend another five years in school. You don't want to like, just go get The easiest degree, put your shingle up and be happy. And God bless her soul because she gave me permission. My left brain at that time would not have given me permission. And it was the best thing I ever did because my program was super open. My very first class, the very first presentation that I gave was on the chakra system. And (laughs) the teacher said to me, like, which was really nice, this is a brag, but a brag for a reason. She goes, that was one of the best presentations I've ever heard on the chakra system. And I was like, Oh my God, like, this is the thing. Other people have been doing this. You've heard a lot of these. And I knew I was home. So oh. that's my story. And so, you know, but we all find it in our own way. And I knew I was going to use this as a conduit to do my spiritual work. There was never a question, but I know people, you know, that have had years of training as a clinical psychologist and then said, Ooh, I want to bring some spirituality into this. And so- you know, all paths lead home. When you start to align with your truest self, then you just find out where you need to be, right? Oh my gosh, it's so true. I
1: have a little funny story just because I'm like, oh, this is so fun how we intersect. So back in 2010, I'd already had 11 years of spiritual awakenings, but I was reaching that next level where things weren't making sense. I knew I needed to move out of my job as a mortgage banker. And I I didn't know what I was going to do. And I went to see, my acupuncturist told me to go see this astrologist. And I was like, how am I, I can't even tell my husband. Like at that time, I was a very like devoted Buddhist practitioner and there isn't like astrology in that, like I was just that. And then, and I was a teacher for this organization. I mean, it was just everything. And I was like astrology, I mean, yeah, acupuncture, but not this. So I go to see the guy, turns out he had been an investment banker for like 25 (laughs) years, right? You're like, really? Like there are other people like us, And I sit down and the reading, just like yours, he goes, Oh, you're supposed to change the way the whole world looks at money. And I was like, Wait, no, no, no. I'm trying to leave the industry. Like it's eating me from the inside out. And he's like, Nope, it's here. I can see it. I can see this pathway. Like he goes, You need to go become a financial advisor right away. And I was like, Well, Okay, you know, but they're just doing the norm, you know, and he convinced me. And what gave it away is I left his office and I picked up the phone. And I called my financial advisor and I said, you know, I didn't tell him why. I just said, do you think I should become a financial advisor? And he goes, we will hire you in like, one minute, like come on down. And wow. I knew I had been looking for other jobs for like four years, one phone call. And then sure enough, I went and did that. And then that kind of showed me what I needed to see. And here we are, but like an astrologer, right? <laughs> right. Yeah.
0: And it, it's, it's funny how, you know, I think when you start in that left brain way where where you'll stray and where you won't and you know i'm so done with it now i just listen to my soul and and she tells me what i need to know but it was a journey for me as well i totally get that it takes a while and and what makes sense and what doesn't we probably have to wrap up as much as i don't want to <laughs> is there anything else that you'd like listeners to know about you about your work about money
1: just the importance we've touched on it but this importance around sacred containers. So like when you do the money work, I wrote this book to bring people into a sacred container where it's judgment-free, it's filled with love, it's filled with acceptance. And no matter where you do this work, just make sure that it's oriented in that kind of environment because this is very precious, sacred work. And I just want to encourage folks you know, if you're drawn to it, it's a beautiful, lovely opening that can be created through it.
0: I love that. That's beautiful. And if people want to find you, I will have the book, Mindful Millionaire, in the show notes for sure. But if people want to find you, where do they do that? So they can go to wealthclinic.com
1: and they can take the quiz that we talked about, the prosperity quiz. That's probably a great place to start. Love it.
0: All right. And I'll have all of Lisa's contact information also in the episode notes. Lisa, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for spending the time with us today. Thank you. It's been beautiful. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope that you found joy, strength, inspiration, and clarity from today's episode. Thank you so much again, and namaste. We spend a third of our lives sleeping and dreaming, yet most of us have no idea what goes on during that time. I'm Kelly Sullivan Walden, and as a dream expert and bestselling author, I'm here to empower you to mine the gold from your nighttime dreams. Join me on The Kelly Sullivan Walden Show, part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network, available wherever you get your podcasts. Until we meet again, don't take your dreams lying down.